Be good. <laughs> Hello there, pals. Thanks for tuning in to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is Andrew. With my wife, Tiffany, and our little dog, Pele, we're traveling all over the place. Started in California, went up to Alaska, and are now making our way south. We're currently in Colorado, on our way to Argentina, ultimately down to the bottom of South America over the next couple of years to meet people doing fun and interesting things, fun and interesting things, and to have conversations like the one that I'm about to share with you today with a couple of folks, Joe, Bob, and Amanda. I'll tell you about them in a second. But before we get there, before I do anything else, I just gotta, I gotta share something with you because this meant quite a bit to me. Uh, we've gotten some nice letters from people. It's, it's wonderful to get letters or emails rather from people who listen to the show. But um, uh, this is a weird thing to do: ride around and ask dumb questions and put these things up, and we're just sharing a lot of personal information. <laughs> Sometimes it, uh, I have my doubts, I'll put it that way. But uh, this was nice. This is a letter from a lady named Camilla. And I've asked her if this was okay. She said it was okay. Camilla is, and I am hope I'm pronouncing that right, Camilla, is from Poland. She says, hi, my name is Camilla, and I'm from Poland. I discovered your podcast when listening to Chris Ryan's Tangentially Speaking, which I love. Uh, you have a very nice energy. I really like what you are doing. I find it interesting and entertaining. I'm also a vivid traveler and was listening to your podcast from Fairbanks while on a trip in Azerbaijan and Georgia. Very interesting. Thank you so much for what you are doing and don't stop. Bye from Poland. That touched my heart. It made Tiffany and I very happy to hear that, uh, read that. And we just appreciate the hell out of it. So thank you, Camilla. We will keep on doing this and, uh, I'm glad you're out there, glad you're listening, and thank you for for letting me know that you're enjoying this. Okay, so what are you enjoying? Well, stuff like you're about to hear, I hope, is what you're enjoying. Joe Bob Merritt and Amanda Sage are some pretty special people. They are artists and um, just doers. These people were so kind. We showed up on, you know, in the morning, uh, just wanting to hang out with them and give them, get them on the podcast. And, um, we, first of all, we met them in Gunnison, Colorado, which is absolutely a stunning, gorgeous place that you absolutely have to check out. But they have this compound down on South Main in Gunnison that is just, it's so cool. There's so many different things going on. They're going to tell you all about it in the podcast, but they, uh, they're just engaged and very, very thoughtful and very uh, intentional with what they're doing. Um, and they were busy when we showed up. They had family coming into town. Uh, and the next day, they were going to um, a little town called Crested Butte to, uh, for this festival called Vinatuck, which was awesome. We went there and joined Amanda and Joe Bob. And um, Joe Bob is a sculptor among his many artistic talents. And he built this 
this effigy called the Grump, which is uh, burned every year at Vinatuck. And we talk a little bit about Vinatuck Festival, which was, like I said, it was pretty pretty special. Um, but anyhow, they uh, he he had a lot going on. Joe Bob was not just sitting around enjoying a, a beautiful day. He was doing stuff. And they took the time to talk to Tiffany and I and made us feel completely welcome. They let Pele run around in their garden and check stuff out. Uh, and we had a great, great conversation that I'm just, I feel privileged, genuinely privileged to share with you right now. Um, yeah, I really, really hope you like it. And I hope you check out all the stuff that they are about. I put up a ton of links on the website, mtp.dog. You can just click on listen to the podcast. You'll see their episode up with the songs that we used in this um, and every link that we talked about. We talked about a movie. I put that link in there. We talked about uh, what they're building. There's links to their sites. Uh, Amanda's got a beautiful clothing line. She makes amazing art. They both make amazing stuff. So definitely, definitely check them out. Um, and there's links to their social media and all that sort of stuff. So that's that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to get cracking with this thing and and uh, to say thank you to all the people out there who are listening. And, um, and yeah, let us know what you think. Send us a note, mtp.dog forward slash contact. Tell us what you're thinking. All right, guys, have a good time. Do fun and interesting things. Bye-bye. My name is Joe Bob Merritt, and I am an architect, an art architect. Okay. Um, and I found my way to the Gunnison Valley as a child. And as a young adult, I decided to stake my ground here. And I've been here for um, 21 years now, here in Gunnison. And uh, we are currently at South Main Gunnison, which uh, could be referred to as a station on the peace train. And uh, Amanda will speak more about trains and I'm gonna talk right now a little bit about um, train stations okay so South Main Gunnison is a station on the peace train and uh, we also call it an industrial park for good so what we do here is we cultivate culture and we manufacture goodness and uh, South Main is composed of numerous uh, activities including a somatic art studio, uh, a material art workshop called Blue Thunder Circle Artifactory. Um, uh, we have a salvage yard called Salvage and Such where we um, collect useful building materials and architectural artifacts and uh, we use those to make upcycled real durable hard goods. Uh, we call them starhouse goods and seed temple goods. Um, and these are uh, basically furnishings for freaks of nature. Uh, we host a nonprofit here called Mountain Roots Food Project that uh, aggregates local um, crops and distributes in a CSA which is a community supported agriculture um, and we have a vision to build a small hostel here uh, 
and a community kitchen called Thrive Community Kitchens that would support local uh, food makers in their endeavors. Yeah, so that's the, those are all the components of yeah. a peace train station. Yeah. Uh, those are all the components of a cultural cultivator. So we're, we have activities here that help people to embody. Uh, we have activities here that uh, help people to uh, learn and appreciate uh, the material arts. And we have activities here that uh, support and encourage uh, local food systems. Yeah. Where they go. And it seems like you're it's happening. I mean, this isn't like you're talking about something that's coming in the future. We're sitting in the present and it feels like all of that is right here. I mean, yes. maybe not the hostel yet, but it feels like just about all of it is already present. It's happening. Yes. And as with all things that happen, um, they begin in the realm of vision. Mm-hmm. And this began in a, in a vision that was called the architecture of remembrance. Mm-hmm. And the architecture of remembrance is about designing and building relationships. And I define relationships as vessels which transport the quality of connectedness and facilitate the experience of remembering, which means to come again, to gather together again. Yeah. So uh, it's quite easy to have a vision. Uh, we are envisioning things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, then comes the work of planning and execution. Mm-hmm. And uh, this project has been in a constant state of planning and execution simultaneously. So it's been a very organic build. Uh, you know, three steps forward, four steps back, ten yeah. steps forward, one step back. You never know. Uh, but... Uh, the the current form that it is in is uh, beginning to stabilize. Uh, we have become a, a fixture in the community, and we've become a inspiration to not only the town of Gunnison but the county of Gunnison, and to the region of Western Slope, Colorado. We are becoming more and more known as people that are. Uh, uh, manifesting a common vision that has to do with uh, the recollection of culture worth living in. Yeah. I I definitely want to come back to that in a moment because memory is, it's a big, uh, well, I mean, it's a big part of everyone's life. I think it's mostly what we are is a collection of memories. So I I want to come back to that in just a second. But also, we've not heard your sweet voice yet on this podcast, (laughs) Old, old strong and silent over there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Basforte. So, Amanda, where, what's going on with this train? Tell me all about it. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so, um, well, trains, it's one of my favorite subjects. Um, it's a metaphor, and it's, a, it's also a very real thing to me, as trains are big and strong and have tracks everywhere and have also built the world that we live in today that sometimes I find myself cursing at all the stuff and all the, you know, it's like this this extensive uh, materialistic world that we seem to live in. Um, it's been refreshing to meet Joe Bob, who 
uh, you know, over the years has been teaching me how we need to reclaim that word uh, and become true materialists again. Um, and so in many ways, the train is a, it's a symbolic vessel that can carry all the good hmm. uh, back on the tracks of, on a journey of remembrance and of regeneration and reverence for the human spirit. And um, so it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a symbol that is in all of my paintings. I, uh, one of my largest contributions and how people know me is through my artwork mm -hmm. and also through my um, community work, I guess, doing workshops and also my participation in various um, cultural cultivators around mm -hmm. the planet, this being one of them, this area. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I, I find myself in a lineage of, of visionary artists, um, and that is a, a very large term that I find also uh, borders onto so many different uh, ways of expressing, um, not just uh, in artifacts, but in culture. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I'm most interested in. And so every day is a new day that brings new awesome surprises and opportunities for growth and shift. And so it really isn't about creating that final piece or that, sure. or that end piece. It's so much about creating um, the constant work, which yeah. is always unfolding. And I see that in my own paintings. They teach me that, um, as well as this project here at South Main Gunnison and any projects that I'm involved in that have cultural um, uh, malleability. <laughs> I don't know if that's the word. <laughs> but I, um, it, 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 we have to always be pressing the restart button in some ways and show up to class and, and with a fresh perspective and, and a dedicated heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, things, good things happen then. You know, it continues to unfold. I feel like the path is a, it's magical. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm, why I'm still here, I guess, doing what I'm doing, because it keeps it keeps becoming more awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the the metaphor of the train, and I guess it seems like it's more than metaphorical to you and, and to this to this project. But it, I, I noticed in your work immediately that there were little trains in the background and all these little things kind of weaving through. At I think of a train. It looks like this old world thing, something that we've forgotten, but it's still the most efficient means of transporting our less than valuable material goods that we're currently sort of uh, saddled with. You know, this is kind of world of fatuous bulk that we're all sifting through. And uh, we've driven all over the country at this point, and just I mean, every town has the same series of shitty stores mm. that carry the same garbage, but all of it was brought at some point on a train yeah. that was shipped from God knows what country and put on a train and then put on trucks and then put on it. So a train really is for all the weird things that it's currently doing. It is one of the most efficient ways to get our shit around. So if we can start filling those trains with things that are valuable and not fatuous and not disposable, I, I really like that. So it seems like that's kind of what you guys are doing, making things that are worth having archival, pass them down, um, and remember them in the future, and use those those artifacts to remember a better past. Is that? Am I getting it? Am I coming close? You got okay. it. Okay, good. It's very much too about 
becoming more aware. So it's, it's making things that matter mm-hmm. and that last, but also becoming more aware of, of, of where we are, mm. you know? And I think the train can, has, has the power to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I, whenever, whenever I hear a train whistle out mm-hmm. in the world or I see one, to me it's a, it's a recognition trigger. You know, of of also remembering the vision, and you know, Cat Stevens' song, "The Peace Train." I can't picture it. I love Cat Stevens, but I can't. Cat Stevens' "Peace Train." I know that song. Do it. <laughs> peace Train. Oh man, I wish I could sing it. <laughs> I'm not much of a singer. Right on the peace train. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't just. Right not, on the peace train. Well, I grew up with it for as yeah, yeah. as like a you know. A, Pack your bags and bring your good friends, too. Tiffany remembers the song. Are you ready to sing it on air? No. What is it? Peace train's coming louder or something. Yep. Peace train's coming louder. But but to me, it's talking about prophecy. Mm. It's a a metaphor. It's a story Mm -hmm. that is is tangled in in culture all over the world, Mm. I feel like. Like the migration of culture. Yeah. You know, so I see, and this links into Burning Man, actually. Yeah, that's another thing I want to ask you guys about. <laughs> we'll get there. Because I see the train come, leaving from Burning Man. on the edge of darkness, there rides a peace train. Oh, peace train, take this country. Come take me home again. I've been smiling lately, thinking about the good things to come. And I believe it could be Something good has begun Oh, peace train sounding louder Light on the peace train Come on, the peace train It's peace train, holy roller Everyone jump upon the peace train Well, the thing is, is the train is also, it's multidimensional, really. Right. When we talk about, like, life in general, right. we're not living in a one-dimensional plane right. or a two-dimensional plane. Or th- all of these planes are existing, but we are in uh, a lot of parallel realities are happening at the same time, mm. or so it seems to me. So I see the train as being something that is happening already, mm-hmm. um, and it's happening everywhere. It's kind of like mushrooms and mycelium. Yeah. I listened to... a. Uh, really great uh, podcast, Joe Rogan with Paul Stamets so last night. Incredible, yeah. Paul Stamets. Oh God, guys, learn about your mushrooms. Yeah, start eating that lion's mane and yeah. reishi and <laughs> exactly chaga. Yeah, we just saw a preview Turkey. for a really incredible movie that's uh, connected very closely to Paul Stamets. Um, Fabulous fungi or something like that. I, boy, I really hate that I'm butchering that, but it's a story. Uh, it's a great primer for anybody who maybe hasn't heard that podcast but is really interested or should be interested in mushrooms about that the weave of interconnectedness that binds everything and it's Mm. all the mycelium it's all fungus just living underneath and on top of and inside of every single living thing so if you're you're on like some sort of fungus train you're on the it's right track. For sure, it's for sure fungus train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, you could say the the tracks are the are the, all the underground mycelium mm. that are. Mm. Uh, you know, if you look out onto the landscape, it, uh, you you don't see the mushroom until the right time. Right, and then they all bloom forth, all the fruits. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, the uh, 
the train is in motion. It's happening. Um, and uh, as it fruits, we're going to see more and more train stations pop up hmm. like, uh, like the mushrooms. Yeah. It almost feels like the way that a mushroom relates to the mycelium below it is the way a human vessel relates to the field of consciousness that expresses itself through a person. Mm. Like the mycelium expresses through the fruiting body, spreads out, creates more opportunity for the mycelium to do the same thing again. Same with people. There's this field of consciousness that we're all privy to in some way, shape, or form that popped us up like a little mushroom, <laughs> and we spread our whatever it is that we're going to be spreading, and and then fold back into it. We do, yeah, if all goes well. That's a beautiful way to think about it. I just made it up. I hope that makes it onto a, uh, my gravestone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so I I do want to actually talk to you guys about um, more esoteric and weird stuff because I feel like uh, a lot of what inspires or it seems to me, anyhow, a lot of what has inspired the work that you two are doing is likely mystical experiences and things. You, I mean, you've referred to it as a vision. Visions don't necessarily have to come from a mystical experience from you know, some other thing, whether it's ayahuasca or mushrooms, but you know, just from inner questing, inner, inner thought, inner searching. But before we get to that, I do want to talk to you a little bit more about, um, so you have a deep Burning Man connection. The, I understand the Vinatuk um, and the burning of the Grump is, is, I don't know how related it is to Burning Man or what, what the link is there. Do you mind uh, educating me? Sure. Um, some 34 years ago, uh, Crested Butte, Colorado was a turning into a ghost town and there was uh, a population of miners there that were old Yugoslavian, Czechoslovakian, Ukrainian uh, people and uh, they were the old timers mm -hmm. and uh, many of them uh, sat around on the benches in front of Tony's Conoco and uh, Noticing along coming the uh, refugees of the late 60s looking for the end of the road. So all these hippies were showing up in town. And there was a bit of cultural uh, conflict there. Hmm. Uh, one of these hippies, uh, her name Marcy Tellender, and she uh, began to listen to the stories of these old timers, and they began to tell her about Vinatok and the burning of the Grump. And this is a it's a very ancient uh, way of, of banishing grievances uh, that was performed all throughout uh, Eastern Europe hundreds and hundreds, perhaps thousands of years old. Hmm. Um, so Marcy uh, was, in her intelligence, decided we should do this again. And so she got these old timers and these newcomers all together and they made feasts of lamb and uh, ciders and all of the bounty of the fall harvest. And they came together again, and they burnt the grump. Uh, 
And uh, as it's told, uh, Larry Harvey and a few of his friends were there um, at that first burning of the Grump. Is Larry Harvey is... Uh, Larry Harvey is the individual that is sort of blamed for the invention of Burning Man. Okay. <laughs> uh, incredible human being who um, just passed away last year. Oh. Um, <clears throat> so Larry and some of his friends were here, and um, they were friends with Marcy Tellunder, um, who had migrated uh, f- from San Francisco to Crested Butte. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the following year, um, Larry built the first man on Baker Beach in San Francisco. So uh, apparently there was some inspiration um, that you know came from this uh, recollection of Vinatuck that was uh, inspired by these old timers, these old time uh, Eastern European miners. That's an interesting connection. It's not what you would, I would not have immediately associated old world Europe with Burning Man. Yeah, that's the roots of it, is um, the burning of the Wicker Man or the burning of the Grump. Um, It's quite easy to find the roots if you know where to look. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and if you are are keen to search it out, I've I, I was sharing with Amanda. I'm averse to crowds, hmm. and Burning Man, the moment it came onto my radar, immediately slid right off because <laughs> it just seemed like too many people. Uh, and it, everyone I've ever said that to that's been there was like, oh no no, you got it all wrong because it's a it's a different sort of thing. Oh, they're all spread out, and there's no centralized thing that you have to do. It's not like a normal festival where you're going to stage B to hear so-and-so and this there's just weird shit in every direction mm. um, can you I mean I, I know it's not either of your jobs to promote Burning Man I don't think it needs any promotion but um, the bits of it that I'm missing um, and for someone that I'm sure there are plenty of people like me who are just would not go just because it's too many people you know uh, is there anything other than don't worry about all the people that you would want to tell anybody? Man, it's uh, this was my 10th year. Wow. And I have to be honest, I was trying not to go. Mm. Okay. <laughs> but it's it's too powerful of a gathering currently also for the work and the things that I'm interested in um, to not go. And you can go in so many different ways. It's about 70,000, 80,000 people now. And it's very large in terms of like the scope of it. And I think that's one of the things that people that have never been, it's one of the first things that they say when they get there. They're like, oh my God, I had no idea it was this big. And the thing is, is it's not as concentrated as you might think. Um, it's very spread out. And it feels very much like a village too. Mm. Um, it has a very deep neighborhood vibe within the city. Um, and then you go out into the playa and you find art projects <coughs> everywhere and art cars. Yeah. And um, it, it, it varies so greatly, I think, each person's experience. And, um, yeah, it's, it's something that I don't think can happen in that way maybe anywhere else hmm. because of the nature of the desert and right. bringing everything there that is um, – to be 
there for a temporary time and then brought away again. It's an experience of coming into a world that is never, um, you know, uh, that is fresh in a sense. Like it's hostile. I mean, it's not, there's no plants growing there, yeah. right? And they, they tell you, please don't bring any plants because it's a leave no trace event too, right. which is uh, a big contradiction because there's so much also waste that comes out of Burning Man because of the nature of, of yeah. it. Um, you know, we bring everything out there and then we got to take it all out again. But it gives you a much deeper um, uh, window into what it is we actually need to survive or what we think we need to survive. Yeah. So people over plan mm -hmm. a lot, you know, because you're going out there like, I don't know what I'm going to do without what I'm used to, yeah. you know. Um, <clears throat> and I think everybody that goes in some way leaves transformed. Hmm. Even though there's, I know there's a lot of hard knocks on it for being like, you know, just a big party. I mean, I think partying is very important. Yeah, anybody's knocking parties, fuck them. <laughs> Speaking of the party, yeah, there we it go. gets going here about 12 noon <laughs> nice. every day. Yeah. yeah, if you're giving people a hard time for partying, you're not, no one's listening to you anyway. So. But I mean, I think it was a big critique though, currently, at least for me, I'm not, I'm beyond wanting to just continue partying because I see the environment and I see the world that we're, mm -hmm. we're in currently and we need to become active in our participation yeah. for shifting uh, some of the practices that are being done on the, on the planet now right. and, and, and waking up to other ways because the environment is, is the one thing that is, is really shouting at us mm -hmm. more than ever. I mean, go, go to any beach. Yeah. You know, and you'll find the, you know, just the remnants, all, all the trash and the reefs are dying. And I mean, the list is, is, is long and it can't be denied. No, can Nobody I? can. So yeah. that's one thing we really need to band together and, and use art, use all of our creativity hmm. to be working towards that. And so there's a great contradic contradiction for me in going to Burning Man. Right. Very energy intensive sort of thing to get everyone there and all the, the, the waste and all that sort of thing. But what happens there are the meetings, the meetings that, that, that come together through um, the characters that are drawn to be there. That turns into, into great projects that happen outside of that, uh, that are all over the world. What's the, what's the desired outcome of Burning Man? Well, I personally could... Uh, I, I can't speak for the org. Uh, 
I don't really know what they're up to uh, relative to that question. I don't, I don't know. Um, I can speak, though, to the effect that their endeavors have had on me. Um, so to go out to a place where there is nothing and build uh, a community that is full of meaning and to witness the uh, material exposition uh, to see the uh, all of the extraordinary flowering expressions of, of humanity in full uh, exploding display um, does two things. It leaves one uh, with a sense of awe and it also leaves one with a, a sense of disgust. So it all happens kind of all at once. Um, so Burning Man has inspired me to, one, be more extravagant, more beautiful, more accepting, more loving. And it's also has inspired me to be more conservative, uh, more respectful, um, and more conscious of what it is that I'm burning. Hmm. They don't call it burning man for nothing. Um, it's beautiful to watch the burn. And it also leaves one with a profound sense of grief for all that we're burning. Now, I don't know if the org has that same perspective um, because I'm not deep in the org, uh, but that's the, that's been my experience. Come on in. Can I add to that? Yes, please. <laughs> so one of the things that inspires me the most currently about Burning Man <clears throat> is the work that the um, Burners Without Borders is doing and this goes beyond the borders of burning man and that's very much i feel like what i'm interested in um is what happens in all the weeks and days beyond that nexus gathering of burning man in the desert mm -hmm. and um what it burning man has done is created new relations in many ways it's created new communities um, and new culture that is all over the world now and that is also being fueled in many ways through the connection that we have of the internet, you know, of being able to find each other and um, share resources. And what um, Burners Without Borders is doing is, is helping out communities. And also they did one of the biggest relief efforts um, during Hurricane Katrina. A whole bunch of people went there straight from Burning Man they were first responders. They were there before the government was there. Wow, you never hear about that. 
Yeah. So there's things, and there's also a lot of incredible um, things that have been built that are functional, say, like kitchens built out of containers. Mm-hmm. They can be packed up and then put on a train or put on a, a bus mm-hmm. or, I mean, on, on, on a flatbed, you know, and taken <clears throat> where it's needed. And this is where I see, you know, it going. Yeah. And, and that there be more people that are come, that come together looking for a community, looking for something that they can believe in, feel passionate about, mm-hmm. and then bring that back into their communities. And I feel like that's also reflects a lot of what Vinatalk is about here too, because Vinatalk is also in uh, is in some ways it's an it's a very it's inclusive but it's exclusive, as Burning Man is. Burning Man is a radically inclusive, but it's also become so exclusive because tickets are so hard to get, right? And then here in um, Vinatalk, this is a community based festival where there are no tickets sold. It's not a festival that you go and like, that there's advertisement for. This is something that you participate in. Mm. Um, and especially if, you're, if you live here. So it's more of an invitation. Vinatalk is an invitation for communities worldwide to, to, to create meaning again, to remember where they came from and, and, and who they are now, mm. to also come together to go t- forward together also, you yeah. know, to work together in, um, in a more harmonious way, which then when we share our resources, and we find that at Burning Man, we learn these things at Burning Man, that your neighbor probably has what you need if you forgot something, mm-hmm. you know? And people come together and they experience that kind of community, especially because there's no commerce there. Right. That is one of the biggest uh, things, I think, uh, to experience, that many people together where nobody's trying to sell you anything, Right. And you can't buy anything. And it's not even a barter society. It's a gifting society. Right. And that is, a, that is an incredible thing to experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm feeling that. It feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still reticent to, to drive myself into the, the throngs, but I, 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 I'm heartened to hear the intentionality behind it because that's very important in everything. And it, it sort of brings me back around to the whole aspect of remembrance and remembering things. And this might take me a second to put all this together, but I've noticed in the very brief few moments that I've had to spend with your respective artworks, uh, specifically the paintings, um, there's very much a dreamlike quality to uh, both of your work. Um, and your work, Joe Bob, has got this, um, it's got this like kind of childlike quality that I really like. It's a, I don't know how to quite describe it, but it's got these big figures that seem like amorphous, different types of animal, human types of things that I've noticed in a few of them that I really like that remind me of dreams. And Amanda, your stuff, I almost feel like I need to like pour some water on my face because it is very evocative of dream states and mystical experiences. That um, So dreaming to me uh, dreaming is very important to me, and I feel like it's that you know your sleep is that twenty percent of your life that you're just you're not necessarily totally conscious for, uh, and you don't always remember it unless you've had a dream, which is like whittling away at that twenty percent. Like you're getting a little bit back on your life. You know you can because all we really are are a, a, a sort of sticky mat of memories. You know everything that you do, anything you think about, any decision you make is based on what you remember. 
Um, and so if you can remember something from a dream, I feel like it's almost as rich as a waking life experience. So in your goal to sort of remember, and I like the way you put it, that it's remembering things, putting things back together, um, through your art and through the things that you're building and making, what do you hope people are going to remember? Everything matters. Um, you know, many of us go through a period of our life where we you know, have existential crises and, and we say, nothing matters. And um, depression sets in or anxiety around this uh, lack of meaning. But the truth is, the fact of the matter is that everything matters. So everything is mattering. Matter is the mother, and the mother matters. That's what she does. Uh, etymologically, mother and matter are the same words. Cross-culturally, the, the holy mother is the whole of matter, the materiality, the materiality, the reality of matter entities, maternity, the entity of material reality. This is what is real. The mother is alive and not dead. And she is mattering. And culturally, we've forgotten this. We go around and we objectify things. And we call things by their brand names. Um, I drive a Ford F-350 truck. Um, and that is a lie. I drive the Holy Mother in the shape of a Ford F-350 truck. So much of the, the works of art that I am making is a uh, contemplation. I am being in time with this truth and facing the truth of the fact of the matter. That in order to make anything, something must be broken. So we're constantly breaking in order to be making. And in this realization, we begin to understand that, uh, that our choices of the things that we make have an effect on the, uh, both the ancestors and the children of the material that we use to make that thing. So this coming again to gather together in remembrance of the truth of the fact of the matter lends one to the experience of reverence and adoration for beings that are not human. Mm -hmm. uh, this includes animals, waters, minerals, plants, 
and personally it it is breaking in other words it is diminishing my cultural momentum that I have been indoctrinated into the cult of commerce right so this idea of material reality is breaking that culture it's stopping it and in that stopping of it it's opening a path towards a starting of a new way of relating or a new way of being a contributor to the development of a culture Oh, you can just listen to Joe Bob talk. For yeah, <laughs> that's a lot to digest, particularly for a guy who often feels uh, I'm unconvinced by anything. I might be in that that existential. I hate to call it a crisis because I'm having a pretty good time, but I might be in like an existential sort of prolonged question asking, and the idea of subjective uh, value or or mattering is hard for me to get my head around. Um, I don't know that I necessarily feel depressed, but I often feel anxious about the nature of reality uh, and the, the nature of material things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've certainly had some experiences where I've, all of it's come into question in a big way. Um, so to hear your, particularly your etymological um, grip on matter and mother and you know how it relates to us and whether or not it matters is independent of what I think. Yes. Yeah, it's it, it, as I think all things are independent of what it is I think I believe. But it's it is encouraging to hear you put it that way. Um, and it's also a little discouraging because it sort of takes some of the wind out of my little my idiom of like, well, fuck, you know, nothing really matters. So <laughs> I appreciate that and fuck you for that. <laughs> said I lost my train of thought, but I don't even want to say that for fear of some other notion of mine being shattered in this conversation. Uh, What what matters to me uh, is what little community I can get a hold of. And um, I quite like solitude. That's why the idea of going to the desert and being around a bunch of fuckers is like... That's not why I go to the desert. I go to the desert to not be around anyone. But if I'm around anyone, I want it to be like my wife and my dog, maybe a couple of close friends. So uh, what, what matters to me is, you know, whatever. I feel like everyone is almost already my friend, and I just wish I haven't met. 
You know, everybody is just about to be my buddy. We just need time. And, and your archival work, the things you're making and building, that you want people to remember what matter is, who your mother is. And, and even a lot of your art is very based on like a, a d- divine feminine energy, it seems like. Um, where does your community, your friends, and the people that may perceive you as an enemy or that people perceive as enemies, how does that relate to your, your quest to, to remember? Well, I feel like it's all influencing all of it. And the community is um, is a very large part of that because they're to me it's a it's a the artwork is a collaboration in many ways. Like I don't feel like it's something that's coming just through me. You know, that I am maybe the one that's putting the brush to the canvas. But I am very much interested in the bigger picture of what we're all a part of. And so a lot of the clues come from the community, you know, and observing the surroundings. Um, And then also having people that are, you know, uh, responding and um, giving feedback. And and there's all kinds of tokens of tasty morsels of thoughts and uh, ideas and ways of looking at things that the community brings. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's critical, you know, sometimes there can be, especially through social media, you can, you know, uh, definitely come across uh, people that have more criticism rather than praise. And I think there's almost too much praise sometimes out there, you know, people are afraid of offending each other. But I think there's some people that only want to offend others, you know. So there's a fine fine line of what you pay attention to. Um, but in in general, I feel like my work is fueled by uh, prayer, really, and of a desire to rise to my highest frequency, to be able to um, transmit something that will be of relevance to others, that will inspire community, that people can all over the world. Um, you know, have access to because of the internet. Um, we had that tool currently is something that is such a contemporary um, uh, tool for community, you know, and um, for the art as art being, um, you know, one of my friends, dear friends, the late Jim Shannon, the, the general of the New Earth Army, he, uh, he said the, the artists are painting the signposts for the future. And so if art can be a tool for others to help them remember in times when, when things get dark and we lose our way, because we forget, we all do. We all fall into moments of forgetfulness. And we need things to help us remember the way. Mm-hmm. And it can be a friend sometimes that can say a few words. It can be a book. It can be a, a piece of music. It can be a walk in the woods. It can be a piece of art that can help us remember. And so I, I like to think that what I'm doing is contributing to that awakening in as many individuals as possible. I like that. Yeah. So everything is information. Everything is in formation. The world is alive, and it's not dead. 
We are informing form, and form informs form. And this is never ending. So to be in community is uh, to receive information, and it is to inform. And it's good to have friends that provide that feedback. We're fed by our friends. Um, and I, I'm thinking about your comment about traveling around and, and feeling anxious and um, probably sensing the, you know, like a, you're like a receptor of the grief of the fact of the matter. Um, well, I just want to encourage you that what you're doing is of great value because you are an informant. Um, you are investigating. Um, you are seeking out um, what would be worthy of investing in. So your gift to us coming here, uh, asking the question, allows us to hear our own answers. And in so doing, um, it, that questioning inspires us and helps us to remember what we're doing, mm -hmm. which then uh, builds courage in our hearts. So your uh, gift of your journey, uh, what I see as a type of journalism, uh, you know, is, is of great value to the community. And I'm happy to meet your acquaintance and uh, be part of this information cycle. Hmm. Uh, very much likewise, likewise. I want to ask, because um, I know we're, our time is getting getting close. You've both have got a lot of projects going. You have a studio in LA, or a, a yeah. Um, Amanda has a studio in downtown LA. Mm -hmm. um, she calls it the Watchtower. Yeah, and it's this uh, funky old building that was never really finished, and it was squatted. Um, about 15 years ago and some of the original squatters are still in there and wow. I mean, it's a legitimate you know uh, it's certified by the fire department now but uh, <laughs> it's this funky thing in Spring Street downtown LA hmm. um, and it's a great uh, uh, contrary experience to Gunnison Colorado I can imagine yeah, yeah. So you're selling art out of there as well, or, or is it just a place to create? Or? Uh, the Watchtower is her personal uh, painting studio. Mm -hmm. um, she has a vast collection of paintings uh, just about a block up on Main Street at Peace Yoga Gallery, um, where the incredible Sherry Ray Russell makes the most amazing raw vegan food ever mm -hmm. and uh, there's a 4,000 square foot space uh, in the basement that is the uh, the yoga studio as well as a gallery of Amanda's 
works. So many of her originals are housed there. That's cool. Um, that's a great place in downtown LA to go and experience her work. Yeah. Now, so on the other side of the country, you guys are going uh, to New York to meet with the Grays. Uh, what's what's the involvement there at um, at the? Uh, I can never remember the name of the temple. What's Cosm? It's uh, stands for the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. Yeah. So Alex Gray and Allison Gray, mm-hmm. they. Um, Purchased some property an hour and a half north of Manhattan in Wappingers Falls. Um, that is, uh, it's going. They're building currently a museum called the Entheon, which will house Alex's paintings of the sacred mirrors and also international visionary art and uh, the biggest collection of their work. Um, that's hopefully going to open next year. And they also host, they've been hosting full moon ceremonies um, for about 30 years. And they also do equinox and solstice celebrations and uh, art church on Sundays. And um, there's also a beautiful estate house there um, that can sleep, I think, up to 30 people or more. And um, we are going to host a, a painting workshop. I have a series of painting workshops that I've been doing for the past eight years around the world. Um, I call it painting with light. Mm. And um, it's focusing on a technique that um, we call the Mish technique that was passed on to me through uh, Michael Fuchs, Ernst Fuchs, Philip Rubinoff Jacobson, and uh, a lineage of artists that um, were a bit outside of the system. And, um, and taught me through apprenticeship and also through workshops. And um, so I've been teaching this, and I think this will be the sixth or seventh year teaching at COSM. And it's a week-long uh, intensive, and we have about 20 people that come from all over the world. And uh, we dive deep. <laughs> we eat, sleep, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. And paint and uh, go deep into the medicine of what it is to alchemize our visions, our dreams into form hmm. through paint. And um, I, I find that it's what we're, what we're most lacking is our tools um, to explain what we're feeling and what we're seeing. And so I focus on, on very deep fundamentals and kind of uh, try to... Um, make the magic more um, graspable yeah. uh, for the creator. Because I think a lot, of, I think all of us are artists, truly, mm. as Joseph Boyce said. Um, and that we're in a time where we need to realize that we are all artists. Mm-hmm. And that creativity is incredibly important for the future of survival on this planet. And so going to a workshop, even if you're not a... Um, planning to become a professional artist mm-hmm. it's it will feed your soul and and your work um ongoing and that's the kind of work that i aim to do i'm not interested in just training artists to become uh you know professional gallery artists i'm interested in people that are, that want to create change mm-hmm. in themselves and also through their work and yeah. It's one of the most powerful experiences, these workshops. I feel like they, they are really the great work in many ways, is the community coming together to support each other in, in 
extracting their visions so that we may share them yeah, yeah and become inspired by them the storytelling to me is hugely important mm. i think about helen keller mm. who you're talking about helping people acquire the tools to tell their tale here's a woman who was um by outward appearance imprisoned by inability to speak i don't know that she couldn't hear couldn't i mean that was blind as well and that that to me that that she was able to not only rise above that and sort of transcend those what we would you might see as a, a barrier to self-expression and then be able to like write a book on communism and why that was a good thing you know that, to go from not knowing where the doorknob is to being able to write a book about that that's acquiring some fundamental tools and and having the courage to sort of express that is really beautiful to me and i as someone who asks poorly worded questions uh quasi professionally um having having a good set of tools at your disposal to tell a story is a very incredibly valuable thing that i think i can already tell you guys have all the tools necessary to tell any tale that you wanted to tell like uh, and this leads me to if if you have time um the mystical experience which i i, I sense both of you have, are very comfortable with and have ha- had experience having the tools to express what you came back from you know that you said everything's information and you went into a world of vast information and are expressing that to people in a way that like a moron like me can digest and that is something that it seems like no matter where you are on the on the path to enlightenment there's something in your work and your art that people can get so what um what tools do you think you've cultivated to be able to express what you've learned from the mystical experiences that you've had? The, the most valuable tool in my toolbox is called disidentification. Um, Joe Bob believes all sorts of things. He has opinions about everything. He's quite judgmental. Um, he is uh, pretty rigid uh, in his worldview. And he thinks he, he's got it figured out. Um, the tool of disidentification uh, allows me to disidentify from Joe Bob. I can question things. I can observe. I can be free to listen. I can be open to experience. Um, But Joe Bob can't do that because he is coming at the world with all sorts of certainties. So um, it's very, very valuable to be able to separate what is real from what is unreal and Joe Bob is not real Uh, he's a uh, he's a set of opinions Um, and he's coming at the present with a bunch of 
beliefs that he acquired in the past. Um, and the, the problem therein is that the present is alive. And I really don't know what's going to happen. Joe Bob thinks he knows what everything's going to happen. You know? And I've watched him long enough to see that he's rarely correct. Hmm. So this tool of disidentification allows one to, you know, kind of step back from uh, the sense of self-importance and to uh, see what's going on and respond with a little bit more freedom. Hmm. And that's useful in making anything, whether it's a, a painting or fixing an automobile or, uh, you know, taking a road trip or um, taking care of a sick parent or taking care of a child or you know. yeah it seems like you've got good access to, to patience and humility well it wouldn't be too humble if I agreed with you <laughs> good answer <laughs> damn good answer uh, love that uh, but I uh, I make an effort to cultivate that mm -hmm. and, it, and it takes work because you know Joe Bob doesn't want to be patient mm -hmm. right and he doesn't want to be a human you know? yeah that's interesting doesn't want to be a human no he has no interest in being a human mm. he wants to be a perfect God mm. who gets it right all the time and has infinite pleasure and escapes all pain which it's not human it's not human <laughs> yeah interesting how about you kiddo what you got <laughs> well when you talk about the mystical experience um it's very individual mm -hmm. you know from all the people that i've talked with like where where have they where have we gone to seek vision where have we witnessed god where you know, through what mediums, and everyone has a different different way. You know, some some do go to church, some find find it at the altar there, some find it at the altar of the mountaintop. You know, in solitude, and I think um, I'm grateful for the times that we live in that that freedom or the the place that I live in that I have that freedom, and um, I have a lot of inspiration that comes through stories that has come through um, a desire to be um, of service and there is a and 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 the people that I've that I worked with you know I had an incredible experience um, opportunity to work with the great artist Ernst Fuchs and he was one of the founders of fantastic realism in Austria he was born in 1930 he passed away about four or five years ago. And I worked with him for 10 years as an, as an assistant. Wow. And uh, he was a great mystic as well. And he, the way he would transmit through painting showed me that it was possible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I had my, my first real psychedelic experience when I was 27. Um, I, it hadn't really been around me much. I didn't really have the opportunity um, and it, there came a point where I was, I was reading things and looking into things, and I was like, I think it's time. 
And so as soon as I decided that, I put, I guess it was put into the field, and two weeks later I met a chemist. <laughs> and uh, this chemist, was it was the right situation at the right time, um, took me on my first LSD journey. And I saw through the veil. And it wasn't anything that I, that surprised me. It was all evoked a certain kind of memory of things that I had forgotten when I was a child, mm. of how I saw the world. Because I, I could see the aura around people. I could, see, I could sense their emotion, emotional state through the colors that were around them. I could see the aliveness in, in plants and the light around, the, the, the light frequencies around them. And it was, and, and so I had learned real classical painting. I had learned how to paint what I saw. And now I was ready to go through that. And, and, and to go deeper through that. And so this, it really gave me a great tool, a great window into, and, and a tool to be able to go deeper. And so I don't see, I, I, I do not paint things one-to-one -one that I have seen in visions, whether they be in dreams or in a psychedelic experience. I, the painting is its own creature that evolves in the cooperative, cooperation of my presence and um, it's you know it's it's inspired though through through the things that I've seen you know everything that I have seen or I have drawn before is in my library of content and so when I'm standing before the canvas and I'm about to make a mark, I ask for all the things, everything that I've ever experienced and all the things that should be, could be, would be, to distill into one thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we start from here. Yeah. And from that one thing, then we move to the next. It informs, informs the next. So I feel like I become ultra sensitive to the present. Mm. And in that state though, mass challenge arises of distraction, mm -hmm. of doubt, of fear, sense of insecurity of, of, you know, can I really do this? That this, is, this doesn't really matter actually. But the truth is, is that if you show up and you find ways to fight back those, those feelings of doubt and you continue to raise your brush and raise your sword, it will, spirit will work with you. And that's what I've found, you know, and I'm, I'm on that journey now. When somebody asks me, what are you painting? What are you doing? To be honest, I really don't know. And it helps me a lot to have conversation with others because I feel like I understand deeper what I am doing. Yeah. But I feel like there is um, deep purpose in it and a desire to understand and to go deeper and further than I've ever gone before. I want to see new landscapes, see new worlds, and also potentially paint things that can evoke a kind of hope and a dream for others to build on top of that. And it's all a building block, you know. And so, but the, the access to the realm of, of spirit is definitely primary, primary tool. And that tool, being able to let go, I, I really attribute that to the masters that I've worked with and um, being able to witness them doing that. So I feel also that, that role, that lineage role that I also need to 
pass that on. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. It's inspiring. And the two of you are a very inspiring just couple of human beings in general. Never mind all the stuff that you've accomplished. I mean, the physical building, the uh, the influence, the many things that you both do are, are, are fantastic. And I want as many people as possible to see what it is that you're doing. And uh, for what it's worth, we'll put up every single link you want us to put up. We will tell everybody everything we can about what you're doing. Is there anything in particular you want to guide people to at the moment or like a website or a Instagram page or a thing? Well, you can find both of us on Instagram for sure. Joe Bob Merritt art, right? And Amanda Sage art. Um, and you can find us on Facebook too, if that's your preferred <laughs> place Whatever you wanted. of social yeah. Media, <laughs> and then um, we do have websites. Though we're, you know, this place, South Main Gunnison, is. I, I mean, we we stated earlier that it's in transformation constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really don't have programming available currently, yeah. um, but next summer we will be doing a lot more. And uh, SouthMainGunnison.com or .org. Yeah, dot com. Mm-hmm. You can find that. You can also find. I have a website, AmandaSage.com. Um, but we're we're out there in the interwebs, and we're yeah. we're there to, you know, Instagram's a good place to see what you're doing to interweave, and um, we're grateful. I'm very grateful to you and showing up and being interested, and it helps. You know, it's the the artwork by itself is 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 not, you know, it only becomes truly active when it has someone viewing it, yeah. right? And so. Yeah. So having the reflection with with you guys being here and and to see it through your eyes and to is powerful medicine for us and um, we appreciate that so much. Amen. <laughs> Anything else you want to add before we sign off? Oh, just gratitude to you and to um, all of your listeners for taking interest. Uh, not only in this conversation, but uh, interest in each and every one of them's own lives. So all the courage to all Hmm. who are listening to this conversation. Keep going. Uh, Keep building the train. Keep building the train stations. And none of us are alone in this. Soon there will be a website too called visiontrain.org. Okay. Um, that it's a project that I've been doing going into schools and in any different scenario, we're inviting people and children to um, draw their own vision in oh, a train car. That's great. As within that that little world of a of a box car <laughs> of a container, yeah. you can put put your put your prayer, and then yeah. we can link them all together. And as we as we go, um, we will build the peace train. You mm-hmm. know, as the each car you know is linked together through couplers. They're like little hands, and they yeah. and they push and pull. And you know, we're planting seeds. And any time that you do something with intention, mm-hmm. you know, you are are magnifying your prayer. And so, making a drawing, and it doesn't matter if you think you can draw. That's a big thing that for people to get over. You've got to tap into your into your state of of, of non judgment, mm-hmm. and I tell people, well, just draw lots of bubbles 
or hearts or whatever comes to you. It does not matter. You know, they can they can be, but the act of doing something, making a mark on paper while you hold a prayer in your heart is is magic. It's big magic. I want you to tell me one more time the name of this thing that we're sitting on. It's, oh, this is the Caravan of Chaos and Chance. Caravan of Chaos and Chance. Uh, that's ideal. <laughs> I, I, I wish I would have thought of that for the, our van. <laughs> We called it, oddly enough, uh, La Soñadora, which is the dreamer. But uh, this is a little bit cooler. <laughs> well, thank you both so much. Mm-hmm. I wish you the very best of fortunes in the future. And safe travels on your journey. I you. wish I could be a little bird on your shoulder for all the places you're going to go. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. here saying thank you for listening to the monkey tooth podcast if you haven't already or it's been a while check out our website mtp.dog there's plenty of information there an about tab with a little bio on andrew myself and our dog pele there's also a van build tab detailing how we did our van conversion a journal tab and we as an andrew are doing our best to keep that up to date and last but not least a contact tab where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you would like to donate and or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all. <laughs>